Quaker meeting in Portland, Oregon. <laughs> you can find more information about our community at westhillsfriends.org. As a Quaker community, we encourage everyone to share from their hearts. Especially as it pertains to God's leading in their lives. These words are shared into a community that values the opportunity to respond and dialogue about what is said. The responses and dialogue are not included in this recording. The views expressed in this content are solely those of the original contributor. And do not necessarily speak for the entire West Hills Friends community. Thank you for listening. Have a wonderful day. Thank you for listening. Have a wonderful day. Good morning. Today's scripture reading comes from the book of Genesis, chapter 4. And Adam knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived and bore Cain. And she again bare his brother Abel. Both Cain and Abel brought an offering to the Lord. But unto Cain and to his offering, the Lord had not respect. And Cain was very wroth, and his countenance fell. And the Lord said unto Cain, Why art thou wroth? And why is thy countenance fallen? If thou doest well, shalt not thou be accepted? If thou doest well, thou shalt rule over sin. One of the many things my mom loved to do was read. Louis L'Amour, Harlequin Romances, Stephen King. From my earliest memories, there she was reading. When I was 13, my mom gave me a tattered copy of John Steinbeck's Cannery Row. That book started a lifelong love of John Steinbeck's works. Eventually, I found my way to his magnum opus, East of Eden. Steinbeck said, I think everything else I have written has been, in a sense, practice for this novel. The story centers on Adam Trask and his two boys. Adam raises the boys with the help of a servant, Lee, and a neighbor, Samuel. Lee, Adam, and Samuel have long philosophical talks, particularly about the story of Cain and Abel, and the command that thou shalt rule over sin. Their discovery that the Hebrew word Tim shall means thou mayest leads them to conclude that we are neither compelled to pursue sainthood nor doomed to sin, but have the power to choose our own paths. Here's a brief excerpt from East of Eden, and then we'll talk about my mom. Lee said, after two years, we felt that we could approach your 16 verses of the fourth chapter of Genesis. We felt that these words were very important too. Thou shalt. 
and do thou. And this was the gold from our mining. Thou mayest. Thou mayest rule over sin. Samuel said, it's a fantastic story, and I've tried to follow, and maybe I've missed somewhere. Why is this word so important? Tim Shell. Lee's hand shook as he filled the delicate cups. He drank his down in one gulp. Don't you see? He cried. The American Standard Translation orders us to triumph over sin. The King James translation makes a promise in thou shalt, meaning that we will surely triumph over sin. But the Hebrew word, the word Tim shall, thou mayest, that gives us a choice. It might be the most important word in the world. That says the way is open. That throws it right back on us. For if thou mayest, it is also true that thou mayest not. We can choose our course and fight it through and win. Adam said, do you believe that, Lee? Yes, I do. Yes, I do. It is easy out of laziness, out of weakness, to throw oneself into the lap of deity saying, I couldn't help it. The way was set. But think of the glory of the choice. That makes a man a man. A cat has no choice. A bee must make honey. There's no godliness there. Adam said, I don't see how you could cook and raise the boys and take care of me and still do all this. Neither do I, said Lee. This is not theology. I have no bent toward the gods, but I have a new love for that glittering instrument, the human soul. It is a lovely and unique thing in the universe. It is always attacked and never destroyed because thou mayest. I grew up Pentecostal, where we talked about sin a lot. But for the past, past 15 years, I've been a Quaker, and we don't believe in sin the way I learned growing up. Instead, we believe that our actions and the circumstances of our lives may create obstacles to the growth of our human soul. With that understanding, Cain was told that thou mayest triumph over life's obstacles. Over her lifetime, my mom surely triumphed over the daunting obstacles in her life, and in doing so, became, in the last 10 years of her life, a beautiful human soul. My mom was born on December 5th, 1941 in Arkansas. She was the last of seven children, three of whom died in infancy. When my mom was four months old, her mom and dad, Laura and Charlie, divorced. Her mom took her and moved to San Diego. Her mom remarried. But one night when my mom was about three years old, she and her mom left in the middle of the night and walked away from her stepdad 
in the freezing rain. They moved into the Palms Hotel, which is where people with very little money lived. And for the rest of her mom's life, that's who they were. People with very little money. One day, my mom told her mom that she was not feeling well. A doctor confirmed the di a diagnosis that parents feared most. My mom had polio. She was nearly put in an iron lung, but her mom in a prayer group prayed for a miracle, a prayer that was answered. She never went into the iron lung and she healed completely. The experience taught my mom the power of prayer. But life was not done putting obstacles in my mom's path, not by a long shot. In January 1954, my mom's closest brother, Jimmy, and her dad were killed in a car accident by a drunk driver. My mom was devastated, and she was 12 years old. In January 1959, my mom's last year of school at Corona High School, she was called to the principal's office and told that she needed to go home right away because her mom was very sick. She had cancer. They moved from home gardens to Corona, and my mom finished high school. Those days were not all sadness, however. With the bitter, life brings the sweet. In February 1960, she met Bobby at a bowling alley. It wasn't exactly love at first sight, but Bobby made my mom laugh and taught her that the healthiest response to life's obstacles is laughter, a lesson that she never forgot. They were engaged, but not married before Laura died in June 1960. Then on a Sunday in May 1964, my mom was driving in the mountains of Colorado when a drunk driver crossed the center line and hit them head on. Her husband, Bobby, was killed on impact. And she suffered terrible, terrible injuries. The entire left side of her body was crushed. She survived, but was shattered all over. My mom spent the next several months in physical therapy. She had a cast all the way up from her left ankle to her femur, and her left arm was in a cast too. Not the most promising dating material. But we don't pick the times when we meet our soulmates, and that's when she met Ken, my dad. When told, who told her that she was the most beautiful sight he'd ever seen. Never a quitter, my mom then bought a gray VW with a stick shift because that would strengthen her injured leg and help her overcome that obstacle. And overcome it she did. Lois and Ken were married on this day, November 19, 1966. Then in August 1968, she learned that she was pregnant and they moved to Corona, where I was born in April 1969. So why did they move to Oregon? The reason doesn't really matter because it turned out to be the greatest blessing of my mom's life and of mine. Maybe it was because my mom's friend, Glenda, said that if she could move anywhere, it would be Oregon because it is so beautiful here. 
But whatever the reason, we moved to Oregon in April 1973, and that's where she stayed until January. Happily, the obstacles that were put in my mom's path during her early years did not continue, and she really had a wonderful life in Oregon. In the autobiography she left me, my mom said, I am not a very exciting or interesting person. Well, mom, with respect, I disagree. Maybe you wouldn't have been interesting if you'd given in to despair and bitterness early in your life, but you didn't. Instead, you became the most joyful person I've ever known. Someone who was eager to try new things, to go on adventures and play. Cain was told that thou mayest triumph over life's, life's obstacles. My mom did. I have two queries today. Are obstacles in your life curses sent from God? Or are they opportunities to triumph over those obstacles? Think about someone who is no longer in your life, be it from death or disease. What have you learned from them? How much of the bitter contained the sweet? Hey. Thanks for listening to our podcast. We're really happy that so many of you are finding it to be helpful and as a way to stay connected with what's going on with us here at West Hills Friends. If you'd like to stay connected with us in other ways, we have a couple options for you. You can check out our website. It's westhillsfriends.org. There you'll find some more information about who we are as a community. You can also follow us on Facebook. We have a Facebook account by just searching for West Hills Friends. You can also follow us on Instagram. We have a Instagram account with the name West Hills Friends. So we hope that you'll get connected with us in other ways. And again, thanks for taking the time to listen to this podcast.